Yo, what's up? This is Plank Dealosa, and you're listening to the Brutally Delicious Podcast. One, two, three, the Brutally Delicious Podcast. The Brutally Delicious Podcast. The Brutally Delicious Podcast. There's the beard. How are you, my friend? <laughs> I'm hanging in there. Been a oh, dude, long got, time. Oh, I know, dude. And I got, I said, you know, I, oh man, I look so fat. Because <laughs> <laughs> I have. <laughs> nice. So, yes, yeah, so I uh, had it stage in my thing and uh, I'm like, all right, today, 2 p.m., 2 p.m., 2 p.m. Uh, yeah, I wasn't even thinking. Yeah, time <laughs> difference. No worries. You doing all right? Yeah, yeah. A uh, little crazy with work, but otherwise, all right. All right. Well, we'll keep it to like 20, 25 minutes. It won't be long. That's all. That's all good. How are you doing? Doing all right. One step at a time, right? Denise is good? Yeah, everybody's doing well. Boys are good. Out and about. Zach's married. <laughs> Which I still can't comprehend, but yeah. He's 27. He had a house built up in the mountains and doing his thing. And Colin is in his final year of uh, college. Good Lord, dude. What? Yeah, so he's, old. he's 21. Man, dude. Yeah. Nice. So you know where that puts me and you, right? In the old category? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Crazy shit. I don't even know where it went, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah, one minute you're changing diapers and running around, teaching people how to ride a bicycle, and then you're going to weddings and yep. hearing about potential grandkids, maybe. So <laughs> crazy shit. <laughs> so let's talk about Clank. Uh. New record is done, and uh, I guess it's what a couple weeks away from release. Yeah, June sixteenth. Uh, the That's full like three weeks. Yeah, full full album hits in three weeks. Uh, last Friday, uh, pre-orders went live, and we debuted the first single, uh, I Can't Believe. Um, and yeah, we're really excited, man. Pat and I have, uh, when we were first coming up with the concept, we were like, we're just going to do one album. We're going to do like whatever, eight songs or something, and then, um, you know, put it stop recording and put it out but then things just kept going and going so we said you know what then the wheel started changing said, ah, let's make this a two volume set and then we were trying to not have too long of a gap in between the releases right you know so um so it's like a year and out. a half it's you know what's funny is um it came out i want to say it came out in january of last year and then Vinyl, we started doing the pre-sales for the vinyl. Pre-sales for the vinyl started, I guess, two weeks ago, a year ago, volume one. Oh, wow. So, so we're kind of right on our, uh, our little schedule there, so that's cool. <laughs> so, so were these songs all written at the same time and then just split apart to be... Yes be and no. Um, like, on volume one, Apologies was actually written musically right after Still Suffering was done. That was one of the first ones really? Pat and I had written together and worked on. But, you know me, I like, well, you know us, it's like, I wasn't feeling any of the vocals. I wasn't feeling the lyrics. I wasn't feeling the melody line. I was like, eh, seems forced. doesn't seem natural. So we were like, you know what? 
uh, let's put the brakes on this, put this on the shelf, you know, and we'll uh, we'll revisit it at a different time. Uh, you know. So 30 20, years later? Yeah. That's about, uh, we were going through stuff at, at Pat's, and we were pulling up stuff, and he goes, oh, remember this one? Too bad you never came up with anything for this you liked. I was like, yeah, I know, man. It kind of sucked. And it's funny because I was listening to it on the way home from his house, listening to, he made like an MP3 for me to listen to. Mm-hmm. This is when I was living on the mountain. And and it was so funny. I'm halfway up the mountain. I I pull over and all of a sudden it was like, like my brain was firing on all cylinders. I wrote some lyrics, started my way back up the mountain, was singing along. And then I was like, oh crap, that's in the top. Pulled over again finished what I thought would be the rest of the song lyrically, right. and then I messaged Pat, and I said, dude, you're not going to believe this. I finished the song. He goes, what song? I go, remember that song from like 20 plus years ago? Right. He goes, and he was like, oh my god, dude, really? I'm like, yeah, I know. So like a couple of days later, I went to his place in San Jose and did like we usually do where, you know, I go, he basically plays it, turns the microphone on, and I and I do my whole spiel of, okay, this is what I'm hearing in my head. The verse is going to do this. It's going to be sung like this. Maybe have a gruff part come in underneath. Three, four, five chorus vocals I'm hearing in my head doing this. And then usually he goes, okay, great. I, I can visualize it, you know, because we're so in tune with each other. Right. And our writing style. So he goes, oh, he's just going to press play and then record also just to get the idea down. So we get, I get to the end of the song and he turns, he just spins around in his chair and he goes, no, why the hell couldn't you do that all those years ago? I'm like, Eh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, like fine wine, it wasn't ready before its time. Right. You know? So, uh, and the funny thing is, the first song, the first single that we released now called I Can't Believe was actually written. I want to say that song was written in 2000. That's interesting. So do you find that, how did you find that they still fit in? Because obviously you've grown and changed and you've got. I have, but, just... but you know what? The same thing too is that song was written about, um, cause I was kind of documenting a dating relationship that I had gone through, um, previously, you know, a lot of people get in that, uh, uh, the thing where that that song's about like, you're in a dating relationship, whatever happens, you break up then you come back, you break up. You know, like when you go right. through these, it's like wash, rinse, repeat, all this crap. You know, I, I call it like returning to the scene of the crime, <laughs> so to speak, you know. But, and then, you know, and then the person that you're with, like, it's like you're gullible. You, you, you want to believe in them. You want to believe in love. You want to believe that this time they really mean it. You know, and you get hurt by them. And then you come back, you come back. But that's why, like, in the chorus, it says, you know, this time I know for sure, uh, uh, this time it's going to end. And that's where it comes to that point of putting your foot down and breaking the cycle of saying, I'm not going to go through this again. Right. But as far as you go, like uh, like you were saying, as far as it's fitting in, I have since been through a divorce. Um, and like a lot of Clank songs, it's sonic therapy. The right. lyrics and stuff are basically what could be passages from uh, a journal. Right. Or or a, a diary, but set to music. And so it totally still fit with the motif because um, I don't know if you listen to the full release that I had sent, but some of the other songs on there, one deals specifically with my divorce. Another one is like the state of the world in general. Right. Um, it's very, 
it's very clank, meaning it's very real, it's very relatable, it's on a, a real level life, how it affects me, how it affects Pat, how it affects people around me. So when we were kicking ideas around, we said, oh man, we got all these songs, and some of them we were like, this is really good, but we still have it put aside. We just figured maybe it's not going to be right. ready for this release. You know, so um, we started going through, and then we got into finish up recording then we got into the mix mode then mastering and when, and you know how it goes like when you because the majority of stuff these days is streaming so everything has to be mastered a certain way for streaming right then you can master it differently for hard copy cds and also for vinyl vinyl's a totally different beast right itself and after 30 years we finally had our first you know our first real actual vinyl release last year and it's funny because i I was telling Pat, and I said, man, I remember being 10 years old in Farmingdale, getting albums from, like, Whirling Disc Music on Main Street. Yeah. Next to Covenant. And I used to tell my brother Jamie, I said, one day I'm going to have my own record. He goes, yeah? And I said, yeah, yeah. I couldn't play. I mean, I knew I wanted to play. Right. But I just, the idea and the concept of having your own record out was just, it was mind-blowing. You know, sure. they had all the bands and all this stuff that you came home and you listened to. To the point where, you know, you wear the grooves out on the record. So. Right. <laughs> so it's funny you mentioned having your own record. Did you ever imagine, this is release number 12, right? Do you ever imagine you'd be releasing a 12th record? I mean, it's been a long journey. Dude, you know what's crazy about that is you don't, you don't realize it. Because even like Still Suffering and, um, it, well, any anything you record, it's always... Like the very first album, you're rec- you're writing and recording what you're writing for you, what you think feels right, what feels um, true and genuine and whatever. And then you put it out there. And then, you know, the court of public opinion comes in. Right. I like this. I don't like this. You know, I would have did this better if it were me. I would have did this differently. Right. You know, but and then as you move forward, you want to maintain integrity to who like you are, who I am, who Pat is. But at the same point, you still um, mature, progress, you go through life more. And in the back of your mind, you're still writing and recording for you. But you also have to kind of be conscious of what people want. Because right. there are people that just want animosity. Right. I was going to say, animosity. so how much do you, how much regard do you actually put into, you know, the, the keyboard warriors? Because there's a million of them out there, right? Yes. And, and that's the funny thing is we make a mental note of them because we know what people want. But at the same point, at the end of the day, it's got to resonate with me and with Pat first and foremost out of everything. Right. You know, we got to do what we got to do and um, our, our own musical integrity. But see, if you look at every album, our sound has maintained the same sound, but we've also evolved and matured where blank could be anything. It could be super fast and brutal with death vocals. Right. It could be super dancey, like downside like apologies where it's really bouncy. It could be like, you know, um, the song between Holy and divine where it's almost like that slayeristic, crazy down pick, right. you know, with the, the most guttural of vocals underneath right. it, because we've always wanted to not be kept in one box. We wanted to be able to, you know, if we want to be singy and dancey with heavy guitars, that's fine. We even on the last album, we did, um, 
uh, I'm trying to remember the song now. Was it Keyboard Commandos? We have one song where there's not even any guitars on it. It's just stints and 808s and loops. Right. And at first you don't really tell, but for us, it, we still, we kind of veered along, but stayed along our, our path. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, that's the one thing with us is we have a lot of similar influences and a lot of, you know, broad spectrum, all the stuff I was brought up and raised on. Same thing with him. So we find a lot of common ground where he'll say, hey, man, I have this little guitar idea I threw over a loop and I'll listen to it. And I'm like, oh, man, this is fantastic. And then instantly my brain starts picking up on subtle nuances. And right. Little the noises and the stuff he incorporates in it. And then I go, oh, man, I grab my guitar. We send stuff back and forth and then what was originally just like a 30 second idea with a turns into a song turns into this him and i we always call them happy accidents there's so many <laughs> freaking happy accidents man it's so great you that's know? great so you mentioned that you put a lot of your personal experiences into your songs like you know going through your divorce you ever feel that you've put too much out there you're too vulnerable um you know in the beginning it was like a blank canvas and it was like, I'm just going to write about what I feel because people like Rob Zombie and other people like that, they syncopate and just do stuff that rhymes. That's cool. There's a time and a place for it, but I'm, I'm more meat and, meat and potatoes kind of guy. Like I want my lyrics to feel like I got smashed in the face with an iron skillet. You know what I'm right. saying? I want something that's really going to like hit home and resonate and, a lot of the messages that we've gotten since day one, even especially the last couple of weeks pertaining to the last album, was, dude, every time you guys release an album, I can count on the fact that it's going to it's gonna have my head bopping. <laughs> I'm going to want to, like, march, slam dance, whatever. But I also know that I have to tune into the lyrics because it's going to resonate with me. It's going to stir something. Dude, last... Uh, last week alone, I got three different messages from three different people. It was a guy who was going through rough mental stuff, and he was talking about his struggles with, like, you know, suicidal thoughts and just mental illness right. in general, and, and and how he's been trying to deal and cope with it, and how he's like, I can always count on pulling up any Clank release and having things that are going to resonate. And he says, like, certain songs are like. Certain songs are for driving on the highway at a fast speed, just kind of white knuckling it. He goes, and then, uh, you know, when I'm going into my, um, I'm down, not despair, but I'm in the thick of it. And I can listen to these songs because they're going to, they're going to talk to me. And then when I need that, that little boost of, you know, um, yes, times might be rough, but these times pass. I need something that shows me, yeah, we're going to fall. We're going to get down. We're going to get knocked down, but we're going to get right back up again. And we're just going to keep on keeping on. And to have a bunch of messages that came in, like within two days of each other. Uh, really just, cool. And I, and I put them out there on a group chat with Pat and Anthony. Right. Uh, Anthony's like our, our graphics guy. He's like the, an unofficial member of the band. Right. You know, he's family. So do and, you feel uh, a sense of responsibility then to your listeners? Yes and no. Well, hang on, let me get a little air. I'd say, well, I know what people are expecting, 
People are expecting me to put my heart out there lyrically. Pat and I put ourselves out there musically and lyrically. They know what's going to happen. They know what they're going to get. Right. They know majority of the time it's going to hit different people on different levels for different reasons. So on one time, on one aspect, that's a blessing. And it's also kind of a curse because again, to come back to your question before in the back of your brain, you're still kind of like, Oh man, I know what these people are, you know, they're expecting, but I, I noticed myself, I can't put pressure on myself and say, I need to write a song about this. You know, like you can't, you can't just say, okay, uh, world hunger or world peace and say, okay, now spit me out some lyrics to it. I have to listen to whatever the guitar, the keyboard line, the loop that Pat sends me where my brain goes. Cause that's the way my, my brain, a lot of times I'll get a guitar lick or a, uh, a melody and I don't have any context for something. Literally my brain will just be like, you know, like, I'm gonna talk to Bruce today. Right. You know, it's like, whatever just pops in. And then I just kind of go with that and see if it works nine times out of 10, it does. And then when we present it to people, people like, man, you don't understand. I was listening to this song and you got to this part, like just the other day, like, for, I can't believe this guy was like, dude, he was like, I've had some really rough times and bad relationships. He goes, I was listening to the new single. He says, you know, you've left me scars. They've made such pretty friends. He goes, damn, dude, damn. It was like right here. I could just feel it. Right. And like, and like you know, goosebumps on the arm and this and that. And I was like, again, we don't plan on those things. We're conscious of it. And we hope whatever we say ha- resonates. But when you still get that kind of uh, validation from people that it's still. Well, I said to Pat the other day, I go, look at this dude. Waking up to messages like this after all these years is like. Right. It's still, it just makes me feel good about what we're doing. Because even if at the end of the day, even if it's only one person that's listening, we're doing it for ourselves, right. you know, and keeping other people in mind. The hopes and dreams of, oh, we'll get to do this forever as only a job, that ship has sailed. You know right. what I'm saying? We're realists. We all have jobs, mortgages, right. health insurance payments and all that. But as long as it's fun, we're going to keep doing this. And it, we make sure it's always fun. We It's we make sure it's not the pressure of recording because back in the day it was we need to do so we need to, we're very like you know now we're like that sucks the fun out of it if there's no fun there's no sense in doing it so right. dude we we laugh we choke i mean that'll tell you i'll have a simple guitar line he'll write and he'll be, all right time for you to cut it i'll play it great 30 times as soon as he hits this record right. everything's just and we just gotta laugh oh um, yeah so you, you know, said, you know, you said you 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 plan what you're gonna write and you kind of get it in your head. But I want to roll back to I think it's I've had enough. Was that written? I mean, that from Rise. Yeah, that's the one where you had all the people guest on the the suicide oh, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um the the beast within. Okay, I've I, had I just enough. I have the, we that's what's enough. playing in my head right now. I've had enough. Yeah, yeah. So that you must have gotten a lot of response from that, right? I did because that song's about suicide. Right. And, and it was about like, cause dude, look in my life alone, I know I've had nine people take their own life. Pat's had best friends and people he've known. Right. Um, at the time I was married, my ex-wife had multiple, some people we knew together that we worked with. Another one right. were people that she had dealt with. And then you see musicians, movie stars, 
And then, like, even just random acquaintances, a friend of a friend of a friend who you didn't really know well, but you kind of knew them. And it was like, dude, when when do you draw the line? When is it enough? Like, you know, like the, of course, you can't understand the feeling if you've never walked a mile. We have, and our feet are bleeding. I've had enough. We've had enough. Right, that's what like, we played in my head. Yeah, because it's like you, the problem is, you never know what somebody's going through. And we've all you know, you look at, at some point, right? Yeah, you look at everybody struggles. Everybody has it bad. And the problem, too, is there's a weird duality to it. Because then people, when you talk about it, some people go, I can't relate. I never want to kill myself. And it's not just about killing yourself. It's about just, a lot of it is, it's not even about the killing yourself. It's, you just, whatever you're going through, you just want to make it stop. The pain, the stress, yes. the agony, the grief. And they just come to a, a a feeling that this is the only way they can do it. Right. You know? And and some, you know, I've talked to people and they go, I've, I've never been depressed. I, I can't relate. And I go, well, then great. Because you know what? That means that music, that song in particular was, you're meant to hear it, but it's not meant to hit you to way right. it hits other people. Because there's other people, dude, they go, dude, and one of the common things that we've heard over 30 years is you looked in my head. You took a flashlight. You looked in my friggin' right. skull. And you said exactly what I wanted to say and I needed to say, but I didn't know how to say it and I didn't have a voice. And then when I listened to the record, you know, you said it for me. And, dude, it's, again, when you get these messages, it's like, it's still humbling. Yeah. It's still humbling because you're like, 30 years later, people still actually care or give a crap of what you have to say or oh, something you did in the beginning you said you know what i'm doing this because i like the way this sounds right and I think, I think you're in the right genre too because heavy music not just metal but just heavy music in general is super cathartic right for yourself but also for like we're talking about like for the listener absolutely i mean look at like your your uh, documentaries the people that were interviewed for about mental health mental yeah. health mental illness and the struggles and and, you know, it's years ago, nobody talked about mental health. It wasn't considered mental health. They used to say, ah, oh, this dude's just whacked. Right. You know, or this guy's got issues. Now we're realizing there's mental illness and there's such a spectrum that not everybody can get lumped in one thing. Right. People suffer from different things. And we become more and more aware of that over the years. And for us, uh, you know, uh, as an artist and you uh, as an artist as well, because you write and right. you, you pick up on these things and then you your scope when you're looking around at the world, it, it changes a bit because things aren't so black and white. There's, that's the thing is there's so many grays. I used to say that and people go, no, 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 everything is black and white. Nah, dude, nah. Maybe at one time it was, but I think the older you get, the more you live. Yes. You get wiser, you have more life experience, and then you realize, hey, man, the things of a child that I saw, which was, there was just good and bad. There was white and black. There was right. definitive yes and no. And that, that morphs as you get older. And you see people that struggle with these kind of things. And when you talk to people on a one-in-one -one level, multiple people that struggle, and you see how individually the depths of what they're going through is monstrous, but they're going through different things. Yeah. You know? Yep. It's so weird. It's very bizarre. But I think uh, 
getting back to what I was saying, it, it definitely is cathartic. And even the new record, I mean, I was listening to, I'm going to pull up the title here. I was just listening to never thought is probably one of my favorites and one I connect with on that record. It's beautiful. That, that one's about my divorce. It's great. Yeah. And if you notice too, with that one, it's, it's got its heaviness. It's got, it's, it's got that melody. It's got you know? groove though. It's got it's got layers and layers of like samples and keyboards. This so and that was one of those ones where um we'd be going through it and Pat goes, All right, that's a wrap. All right, cool, that's it. And go turn off the microphone and go, wait a second. Play go back to the chorus for a second on the way out. I want to try something. Oh, okay. You know, then that I threw those the super, super, super high one right on the very end on that cascade on the way out. Again, happy accident. I said, Pat. I was thinking about throwing another harmony in there. What do you think? He goes, you never have enough. You can never have too many harmonies. Right. Have fun with it. Let's see. And then he was like, I did it. And he goes, that's freaking dope. Do that like three more times. And let's lay it. You know, happy accidents, but still in, in, in a song where something like that, where dude, it's, that is the epitome of rip, rip page ripped right out of a journal or a diary. Right. It's so hard. Though. I mean, look at also like, like a shot. Like mm -hmm. a shot to the head, like a, a bullet to the head. Once upon a time, thought I was better off dead. Like a shot to the brain and bullet to the head. That's kind of like a nod to animosity. Because remember, like, I hate the world and all it has to yeah. offer. If I had a choice, I'd rather be dead. Yep. Boom. Fast forward 30 years later. No, I don't want to be dead. I'm still pissed off. Right. Some things. In my world, yeah. there is no end to pain. Exactly. And you know what? That hasn't changed in 30 years. The pain has changed. Right. You know what I'm saying? Same and how you deal with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then here it is, you know, all these years later to, to still spit out something relating to these uh, constant themes through right. life. But I mean, life, your life situation might change, your life might change a bit, but there's certain variables that never change. There's going to be ups, there's going to be downs, happy moments, sad moments. Right. I mean, it, it's how you deal with it, how you get back up, if you get back up, and how long it takes you to pull yourself up from your bootstraps, kind of slap yourself in the face a couple of times. All right, dude, buck up. Now we got to get through this. Right. You know? Well, cool. So on that note, then, where can people find you that are listening to this that aren't already Clank fans? Um, we are on Facebook under uh, Clank, A-L-A-N-K. Um Instagram, Clank Nation, uh, Twitter, Clank Nation, uh, YouTube, we're under The Real Clank, all one word. Um, our band camp is uh, clank.bandcamp.com. We have pre-orders for uh, the new album on uh, digital and vinyl, multiple vinyl packages. And then there's a company called the Sharon Collective that we're doing the hard copy CDs from. Okay. That's and June 16th, right? June 16th? Yes, sir. All right. I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, my friend. It's always great seeing you. <laughs> Love to see you, Bruce. Thank you for the opportunity. Hey, brother. no worries. We got to get together for real again one day. Absolutely. All right. Take we'll care, talk bro. to you, brother. All right. Bye. Bye-bye.
Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.